0: Thanks for tuning in to our weekly message. Be sure to visit our website, weareheartland.us, to find out more about the ministry and all of our upcoming events. Well, hey everybody, it is good to see you again today. I hope that you've had a great start to your weekend. I want to say a special hello to everybody who's joining us online as we gather together this afternoon or this morning, if you're watching this tomorrow morning, uh, as we continue in the wilderness teaching series that we've been in for the last couple weeks. As we get started today, I want to begin with a question. If you're new to Heartland, you should know that from time to time, we're going to throw some questions out to you. We want to make you think a little bit. We want to get you engaged. We want to, you know, we want to prevent you from falling asleep in your comfortable chairs in the dimly lit room, listening to my lovely voice, which is so soothing, is it not? Is it not? Yeah, okay. So here's the question. Very simple question. I'm going to show you three people. I'm going to introduce you to three people. And the question for you is, what do these three individuals have in common? All right, first person is Misty Copeland. Misty, you may know Misty from her numerous endorsement deals. Maybe you know of her as the face or one of the faces of Under Armour Clothing. Uh, What you may not know is how uh, Misty got to those endorsement deals or why she has so many endorsement deals. But Misty is the current holder of the incredibly prestigious title of Principal Ballerina for the American Ballet Theater Company. This was not an easy road for Misty. She was born into poverty. She grew up sleeping on the floor of a motel room with her siblings. She had no dance experience whatsoever until she was a teenager, which is an incredibly late start for a ballerina, when someone at the local Boys and Girls Club told her she should give it a try. I give you Misty Copeland. The second person is Dean Karnazes. Dean is frequently referred to as the ultra marathon man because of the accomplishments of his distance running. Dean, on different occasions, has done different things. He has completed marathons literally in the hottest place on earth as well as the coldest place on earth. On one occasion, he ran over 350 miles straight. He did it in less than 80 hours, didn't stop to sleep, but he ran 350 miles straight. Uh, On another occasion, Dean decided that he wanted to complete 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. And he did it. He did 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. He's also won numerous ultra-marathons, such as the 135-mile Badwater Ultra-Marathon race. Person number two is Dean Karnazes. Person number three is Alvin Drew. Alvin is a colonel with the United States Air Force and a NASA astronaut. He has been to the International Space Station twice, and on both occasions, he did a spacewalk, leading to him becoming just the 200th person to ever walk in space. He holds two bachelors of science degrees, one in physics and one in aeronautical engineering. He holds an MS in aerospace science from Embry-Riddle and another master's degree in political science from the Air War College. As a command pilot with the Air Force, he has flown over 3,000 hours in over 30 different types of aircraft and, and airplanes and helicopters. Imagine being able to pilot over 30 different types of aircraft. The question for you is, what do these three individuals, Misty, Dean, and Alvin, all have in common other than making us feel really bad about our own accomplishments in life? What do they have in common? You don't have to answer it loud, but think about this for just a moment. While you're thinking about how you would answer what these three individuals have in common, I want to tell you where we've been in case this is your first time to Heartland during this series. Over the course of four weeks, we are exploring together the passages in the Old Testament that tell us about the nation of Israel's time in the literal wilderness of the ancient Near East. What we're doing is we're studying what God did in the nation of Israel during their time in the literal wilderness, and we're studying it not just because it's super interesting or it's fascinating or it's fun to learn more things about the Bible, so we can you know win at Bible trivia. The reason that we're studying what God did in the nation of Israel during their time in the literal wilderness is because we're then taking some some or drawing some parallels into what God might want to do in our own lives when we find ourselves in the figurative wilderness. And what we're seeing over the course of the last couple weeks is that there are some incredibly strong parallels between what God did in the nation of Israel and how God uses wilderness experiences for us today. If you want to catch the whole teaching, you can go to our website and watch the whole services there. But the first week we saw that, that before the nation of Israel ever went into the wilderness, God made the nation of Israel some incredible promises. He promised that he would be their God, that they would be his people He promised that he would never leave them or forsake them. He promised them that he was going to bless them and give them a land that would be their own. And what we saw was that these promises were not made by God to the nation of Israel just so it would sound good, just so they would feel good about themselves, just because it was a nice thing to do. God made these promises to the nation of Israel so that they served as a firm foundation for them to fall back on when things got difficult in the wilderness, That when things got got hard and when they were confused about what God was doing, they would always be able to rest back on these promises that God had made to them. And we said it's the same thing for us. That God has given us some incredible promises that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, we want to remember, we want to fall back on them, we want to let them support us. And then we closed our time together by reading some of those promises that God has made to, to you and to me. Last week, we talked about how one of the things that God did in the nation of Israel in the wilderness was that he, he brought them into the wilderness partly to purge some things out of them. There were some things that were in the nation of Israel that were, were in these individuals that God needed to get out of them, and Dugan gave us this incredible line that I loved so much when he said, God had gotten the people out of Egypt, but he still needed to get Egypt out of the people. And when he said that, I sat back here in this section and I thought, come on, preach. That'll preach. How good is that? God had gotten the people out of, out of Egypt, but he had to get Egypt out of the people. He had to get that old Egyptian mindset out of the people. He, he couldn't let them inherit the promised land, still, still thinking of themselves as slaves. And it's the same for us. God wants to purge some things out of us. There are times when He has to cleanse us. There are times when He needs to wash us with water. there are times when He needs to wash us with fire, when He's got to raise the temperature a little bit, to refine us. And so that's part of what God does in the wilderness, is He refines us. He cleanses us, He purges some things out of us. So that was the first two weeks. And that brings us back to today, back to part three of the Wilderness Series, and back to my original question of what do these three individuals have in common? You don't, again, have to answer out loud, but I'm going to tell you, when I think of these three individuals, the thing that I think, maybe more than anything else that they have in common, because there's probably a lot of things they have in common, but I think maybe the most fundamental thing that these three individuals have in common with each other is an unwavering commitment to preparation, All three of them have an unwavering commitment to preparation. Misty did not just decide one day, I think it would be fun to play the lead in Swan Lake. Becoming the type of dancer who could dance the lead to Swan Lake took years, hours and hours and hours of practice and preparation. Dean did not just decide, I'm going to run a marathon in 50 states on 50 days consecutively. No, he prepared for that by running further and longer than maybe anyone else has ever prepared or run in their life. I I was watching an interview with him, and he said he prepared for that by running a marathon every day before breakfast, and then in the afternoon doing speed work over 10 to 12 miles in the afternoon. Like, what? What? Alvin did not just show up at Cape Canaveral one day and say, you know, he didn't just call, I got driver when he was talking about the space shuttle. He prepared for that by decades of of studying and learning and flying other types of aircraft. None of those three individuals accomplished what we know them for without tremendous amounts of preparation. And it was that preparation that they did when nobody was looking, when nobody was watching, when there was no spotlight on them. It was the preparation that they put in ahead of time that allowed them to achieve and accomplish the things that we now know them for. Almost never does anyone do something truly significant without putting in a tremendous amount of preparation, Maybe occasionally somebody lucks out and does something really significant, but that's the, that's the exception to the rule. Normally, it takes a tremendous amount of work to achieve something truly profound. And I don't have to convince you of this. You know this is true from your own life. But just a quick show of hands. Anybody in the room ever run a marathon? Not an ultra marathon, but just a regular marathon. Has anybody in the room tonight run a marathon? Okay, yes. So we've got some people who are in the room that have run a marathon. Now here's my question for you, those of you who have run a marathon. Did any of you run that marathon successfully with zero preparation? Raise your hand if you ran and completed your marathon with zero preparation. No! Nobody's raising their hand. You see all the hands? Of course not. That didn't happen. No, you prepared, right? You, I'm, I'm just guessing here because I've never done it. Lord knows I've never come close to doing it. Um, but you got, I'm just assuming you probably prepared by, by signing up for a race and marking the calendar and then kind of laying out your, your training schedule, like backtracking where you needed to be in your preparation, right? You trained by... By buying the right shoes or buying the right equipment, you you prepared by, by running, right? You're prepared by running. My point is, you could not do that without preparing, and it's the same for pretty much anything that we do in life. And here's where I'm going with this. For the nation of Israel, God used the wilderness to not only purge some things out of them, but he also used the wilderness as a training ground to prepare them for what was coming next. One of the reasons that the nation of Israel needed to spend some time in the wilderness, as uncomfortable as it is, or as it was, was because they were not ready for what was going to come next. When the nation of Israel was going to arrive on the banks of the Jordan River, on the edge of the Promised Land, these people needed to be ready to lead and govern a new nation. None of them, other than Moses, had any experience in government at all. All they had ever known for 400 plus years was slavery. They were not ready to lead and govern their own nation. Think about how, how they needed to prepare. They would need a, a system of laws that would govern the, their daily life and would set the, the, the minimum bar for what was acceptable behavior. They needed to come up with a system to enforce and carry out those laws. They needed to come up with a judicial system so that they could settle disputes and cases between people. They needed to develop and train an army so they would be able to defend themselves. And these things are just the tip of the iceberg. They were not equipped to govern themselves as an independent nation when they walked out of Egypt. God had great things in store for them, but they weren't ready to receive those blessings yet. God needed to prepare them, and he did that prep work in the wilderness, and it's the same for us. There will be times when we are not yet ready to receive what God has for us next. And when that's the case, God will use seasons, many of them that will feel like wilderness seasons, to not only purge some things out of us that don't belong, but to also prepare us so that we are equipped with the things that we do need for what is coming next. And when we look at the Israelites' time in Egypt, or in the, in the uh, wilderness... We see that this preparation work that God did in them took two primary forms. There were, was primarily two ways that God prepared the nation of Israel while they were in the wilderness. And that's what I want us to look at and talk about today. That's what I want us to kind of draw some parallels to in our own life and in our own faith journeys as well. Two ways that God used the wilderness to prepare the nation of Israel. The first way was that the wilderness provides margin to take an inventory of our current reality. Now that's kind of wordy. I couldn't figure out a better way to say it. So let me try to just tease this out. But the wilderness provides margin to take an inventory of our current reality. The wilderness gives us space and margin to accurately assess the state we find ourselves in and to accurately assess what is going on in our current situation. It gives us time to accurately assess or assess where we are, what we have, what we don't have, and where we need to improve. It gives us the margin to figure those things out and to address those areas. For the nation of Israel, being able to address those, those areas literally saved their life. Look at the very first thing we see God do is he led the people out of Egypt in Exodus 13. We read, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country Though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. When the people left Egypt, there was a direct route to the promised land. The problem was that that route went through Philistine country and the Israelites were not yet prepared for battle. God knew they're not ready. He knew that if these people who had known nothing but slavery found themselves fighting against the well-trained Philistine army... Even if he defeated their enemy on their behalf, he knew they might be so shell-shocked from battle that they would just turn around, change their minds, and head back to Egypt. They simply were not prepared for battle. And so God knew, I have to lead them by the desert road into the wilderness so that there is time for them to prepare. And as they did that preparation, as they took an inventory of where they were and how unprepared they were, think of all the ways that they would have realized they needed to prepare before going into battle. First of all, they needed to figure out who among them was physically able to fight and who wasn't. Then they would have needed to organize those people who were able to fight into fighting units. They would need to establish a chain of command. They would need to train those soldiers on how to use weapons of war. And one of the things they needed to figure out how to do was how to communicate with thousands of people before the you know, technology allowed them to do it the way we do it today. Um, think about that. How would you communicate with thousands of people before you had electronics, before you had cell phones or text messaging or any of those things? This was one of the ways that they needed to, to prepare It's so interesting, in Numbers 10, we actually get to read about this this preparation that they did, specifically in Numbers 10, as it related to their communication. There we read that the Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver. This is so interesting. This This is how he did it. Make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camp set out. When both trumpets are sounded, the whole community is to assemble before you at the entrance to the tent of meeting. If only one is sounded, just the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel are to assemble before you. When a trumpet blast is sounded, the tribes camping on the east are to set out. At the sounding of the second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. The blast will be a signal for setting out. To gather the assembly, blow the trumpets, but not with the same signal. This passage goes on to lay out who should be blowing the trumpets, details about trumpet blasts during a time of war, and other trumpet blasts during times of celebration. The wilderness gave the Israelites time and space to take an inventory, to assess where they were lacking, and time to figure out how they were going to address those shortcomings. It literally gave them time to prepare. Doing this type of inventory in all of our lives is incredibly important, and the wilderness gives us space, and it motivates us to do that type of inventory. I'll give you an example from my own life. I'll give you an example from my marriage with my wife's approval, or with her, her allowance of this, um, but I've told you before that my wife Ashley and I have a great marriage, and that is true. But of course, there are seasons in our marriage that are not as great as other seasons. Shocker, right? No, that's not a shocker. Of course it is. Our relationship is like every relationship. There are ups and downs. There are mountains and valleys. And one of the things that we have realized, or one of the things that we have learned to do is to to recognize when our marriage is in a wilderness season, so to speak, and to then ask these questions. And so when we recognize that we're in a wilderness relationally with each other, we'll pause and we'll say, hey, listen, I feel like maybe we're in the wilderness relationally. Do you feel that too? You know, we'll ask, what do you think is contributing to that? What do do I think is contributing to that? You know, sometimes we'll ask each other specifically, is there anything that I'm doing that bothers you? When Ashley asks me that question, the answer is almost no. There's nothing that you're doing specifically that bothers me. When I ask her that question, she pulls out a laundry list and she says, I'm glad you asked. And it's like printer paper that unfolds, right? So I've learned to avoid asking that question. But the key for us has been that whenever we feel like things aren't as good as they could be, we do an inventory. We take an inventory. And we ask ourselves some significant questions. And so the application for you today would simply be this, as you evaluate your current reality, what areas of your life need to be addressed? As you think about your own life, as you take an accurate inventory of where you are today, and when you compare where you are today against where you want to be, where is the gap? Is there a gap? Maybe there's not. Praise God for that. But maybe there is. Maybe if you did not inventory today, there would be a gap in your finances. If that's the case, you ask some significant questions. You say, okay, I'm in the wilderness financially. Why? What's going on? Is it the result of something that was within my control, like my spending or my lack of budgeting? Or is it because of something that was out of my control? Did you lose your job this year because of COVID, like so many people? So you start to ask yourselves those questions. Then you ask yourselves, well, what can I do? What control do I have over my finances? What changes can I make to my situation? Do I need to try to go earn more? Do I need to try to spend less? You you take an inventory and you ask yourselves these questions so you can identify why there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. You take an inventory so you understand why you're in the wilderness in that area of your life. Maybe if you do this today or this week, maybe you don't even have to. You just know off the top of your head, maybe you're in the wilderness relationally. Then you take an inventory and you say, hey, I, I, I recognize that I'm in the wilderness relationally here. Why? What's going on? You know, have we been spending enough time together? Have we been intentional with each other? What do we need to do? Maybe you, maybe you do this and you, you recognize, you know what? I feel like a little bit, I'm in the wilderness in my faith, John. John. If that's the case, you do an inventory and you ask why. What's going on in your faith? What has been going on in your faith over the course of this year, over the course of the last eight months? Have you been leaning into your faith and leaning into your relationship with God? Or like so many people, did you get lazy and you just leaned back and you just drifted? You do that inventory, and as you do that, you you ask yourselves, well, what can I do to change that? What changes do I need to make to change what I've been doing, what I am doing? How do I change my current reality? What control do I have over that? And so you go, I'm going to get into the the scriptures on my own again. I'm going to start reading my Bible in the morning. You know, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm just going to take 10 minutes a day, and I'm going to talk to God. One of the things that maybe you need to do is get more intentional with being here every week, right? Maybe, maybe this needs to be a, a, a significant habit that you get into where you do not miss a, a weekend at Heartland. I don't know what it is for you, but you take that inventory and you start to realize any time you experience pain in some area of your life, that pain is a wake-up call that something isn't the way that it should be, And that wake-up call is a blessing because it prompts us to make the changes that we need to make. And so if you're in the wilderness today, as it relates to any arena of your life, don't waste this season. You have the opportunity to come out the other side better prepared for what God has for you next. And that starts by assessing where you are today. The second way that we find God uses the wilderness to prepare us is that the wilderness provides margin for us to look ahead and make wise plans. So the wilderness allows us to to do an inventory and to see where we are today. It also allows us to look ahead and to make wise plans. We see this so clearly in the instructions that God gives to the Israelites. Look at Numbers 13. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, I want you to send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. He said, listen, this is the land I'm going to give you. I want you to send some people in to look at it ahead of time. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. God wanted the nation of Israel to be prepared for where they're going. So not only did he lead them to take an inventory of where they were and to address where they were weak, things like communication and organization, he also taught them to look ahead and to think critically about where they were headed and what they needed to do in preparation. And so look at the details Moses gives to the spies. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, "'Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many.'" What kind, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Moses wanted details. He was not going to be content with generalizations when the spies got back. How is it, guys? Ah, it's nice. No, 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 no. I want to know what it's like. Like, I want details. Bring me back some some evidence. Like, I want to know everything we can possibly know beforehand, before we get there, so that we can be as prepared as we possibly can be. Again, this is just wisdom that we want to apply to our own lives as well. Not only do we want to pay attention to what's going on in our life currently, we also want to ask ourselves, what is coming down the road, or where am I heading? And and we want to ask ourselves the question, based on my future hopes and dreams, what should I be doing to prepare? Based on where I'm going, based on the next chapter of my life, what should I be doing today to prepare? This is true whether you're in the wilderness or not you could be in like such a fantastic season of your life and this is still true you still want to look ahead and assess where you're headed and what you need to do to best be prepared we all have the ability to ask ourselves where do i want to be this time next year do you know where you want to be this time next year how about in 5 years Where where do you wanna be in life in five years? Where do you wanna be in 10 years? Let's go a little further out, right? Where do you want to be in 10 years? You have the ability to look ahead and to think about the answers to those questions, and then you have the benefit, you have the blessing, you have the opportunity to take steps today that will better prepare you for where you believe God is calling you to go. The easiest example is as it relates to your career, right? You look at your own current reality, you assess the current reality, and you say, you know what, I don't like where I'm at vocationally. Okay, you're in the wilderness vocationally. Then you ask the next question, you take it one step deeper, and you say, well, where do I want to be vocationally? Where do I want to go? In five years, where would I like to be vocationally? And then you look at what you've got and where where you're equipped and where you're not equipped, and then you make wise plans. So you say, you know what? I want to do something in in a few years down the road vocationally with the rest of my life that I'm not even remotely qualified for yet. That's okay. What a blessing that wilderness is because then you now have the opportunity to make to take steps towards what you need to do, to get prepared, to get trained. You can sign up for those classes. You can work on that degree. You can enroll in the apprenticeship program. You have the power to do things that will lead you where you want to go. One of the most obvious examples for this other than career would be uh, when we have children. When you bring your first child home, what do you do? You celebrate, and then you panic, right? You go, Oh no, I've got a baby. I need some stuff, right? You're like, I gotta have a crib and I gotta have a t- table to change the baby on and I need the diapers to put on them. I need some bottles to feed them. I need one of those car carriers that will make me walk with a permanent lean for the rest of my life, right? This is what we do. We prepare not only by buying some stuff, we prepare by, most of us, by reading some things or watching some videos or taking some classes. Parents in the room, how many of you had the book, uh, what to Expect When You're Expecting. Anybody have that book other than me and my wife? Yeah, right? We all prepared for this. So, so when you're getting ready to bring that child home, you do that instinctively. And what we learn through the Israelites is that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, it is a prompting to do the same things, to look ahead so that we can best be prepared. So let me ask you, based on your future hopes and dreams, what should you start doing to prepare? Based on where you want to go, what should you do to prepare? God has good things for your future, but He has to get you there. And that transition will so frequently feel like a wilderness experience. So when you find yourselves in those dry places, remember this is not a, w- a wasted season to just get through, this is a time of valuable preparation. And God wants to prepare you in the same ways that he prepared the Israelites, by giving you space to accurately assess where you are today, and then to also look ahead and to examine where it is that you want to go and what you need to do to get there. As we close, I want to speak specifically to those of you who feel like you are in a wilderness season today. And all I want to do as we close is simply remind you that, yes, God will use this season to better prepare you for what is coming next, but what I also want to remind you of is that God did not bring you to this place today without preparing you for this, that you do not arrive at this season of your life unprepared. Now, sometimes it feels like we're unprepared, but that's why it's never very, very, wise to trust our feelings because you do not arrive at this season, this wilderness that you're in today, ill-prepared. God has been preparing you from the moment you were born. He has been shaping you and growing you and molding you more and more and more into the image of his son and you are prepared for this. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2. He says, so, he says, for we are God's workmanship. He he has built us. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God knows what he's doing. He doesn't make mistakes. God looked ahead and he prepared in advance good works for you to be part of and for you to experience. What those works are, only time can tell. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you that God has prepared you for this. Sometimes people talk about how we don't want any pain in our life, right? Like how we, we are all pain adverse and none, nobody really wants to experience pain. And that's true. But I would argue that, that we're okay with pain in our life as long as there's a purpose for the pain. That when we can see the payoff, we're willing to endure a little bit of pain. But we want there to be a purpose in the pain. This is working out, right? You know ahead of time, before you start an exercise program, that there's going to be some pain. That this will not be easy. You know that the day after leg day, it is going to hurt when you walk up and down those stairs. Am I right? Yes. You know that there will be pain there. But the pain is worth it. You endure that pain because you know there's a purpose in the pain. You know there's a payoff for your pain. You know that the pain of being sore is worth living your life with more energy. You know the the pain is worth, worth living a longer, healthier life. You know the pain is worth looking in the mirror and thinking to yourself, man, you look good today, you know, right? Childbirth, another example. Right? My wife had three kids. I was in the room for all three of them. I don't know if that was wise or not in hindsight, but I was. And the first time she had a baby, I was a rookie. Like, I was as green as they get. I had no idea what to expect, and she started to deliver Beckham, and I thought, wow, that looks painful. Woo! And it was. I understand it was. But any mom will tell you it is worth the pain when you hold that infant in your arms and you know that you brought them into the world. The pain is worth it when there's a purpose. None of us want to experience pain without purpose. And the good news is that God doesn't want us to either. God will not bring you into a season of pain without purpose. So when you find yourself in the wilderness, remember that God has been preparing you for this and he is preparing you for what will come next. What it is, what what you will achieve, what he will do through you, I don't know. But whether it's dancing beautifully or running great distances or flying across outer space or more likely something very unique and specific to you, it is God's plan for your life. He's going to prepare you for it, and he has already been preparing you for it. So let me pray for you, and then Brent and the band are going to come close us with one more song. Heavenly Father, we never enjoy seasons in the wilderness, at least not initially. But God, as we study the Israelites' time in the wilderness, we see that there is a purpose in the wilderness. That sometimes you need to purge some things out of us, and other times you need to prepare us for what is yet to come. Lord, I pray for our church family I pray for those who find themselves in the wilderness today. I pray that you would do a great work in them as you prepare them for what you have in store for them next. Lord, I pray that as a result of what you do and how you prepare us, that our lives would be glorifying to you, that we'd be able to point people towards you, and that they would be liberated as they are awakened to life in your Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody who agreed with this prayer said, amen. Thanks so much for listening today. For service times and details, head to weareheartland.us.